Welcome to Nourish by Spinneys, the podcast which promises to inspire you to eat well and live well. I'm Tiffany Eslick. And I'm Devina Devecha. This is a space where we hope to nourish your heart and soul. On this show, we chat with leading players in the food community, from farmers to foodies, as well as health and wellbeing experts. It's all about engaging conversations and fresh ideas. So as you can probably pick up, Davina is not in the room with me. She's traveling out of town. So dialing into our chat today. Yes, so it's really good that you're leading today's interview. And a long overdue one at that. I'm joined today by Chef Himanshu Saini, the chef behind the award-winning Trescent here in Dubai. They opened in 2014 with a take on what they call a progressive Indian fine dining experience. And since then, they've opened additional restaurants and brands, for example, Carnival by Trescent, the all-vegetarian Avatara, which you'll hear more about on the podcast soon. And now they've separated Trescent Studio, their immersive degustation experience, into its own location on the Palm. And Chef Hamanchu shared some of their plans to open more restaurants in India as well. That's a spectacular 10-year journey. Um, Tiff, do you remember the first time you visited? Wow. I mean... (sighs) I know. I mean, I know that I visited really early on with the launch of Trescent Studio, but then like Carnival by Trescent, I can't remember. Um, I've been so many times, you know, I love it. I'm a dedicated fan. Yeah, I mean, I can't quite remember which year it was that I visited first either, but, you know, I've been to uh, Trescent, Trescent Studio, Carnival. Um, and with Trescent Studio, I do remember thinking at the time that there wasn't quite anywhere like that um, in Dubai at the time that I'd personally experienced anyway. And now, honestly, it's just a whole other ball game. I've loved every single visit there. It's been so exciting to see their journey uh, and all the awards that they've won since then. And there isn't an award or recognition they haven't won recently, right? Um, They're ranked number 11 on the world's 50 best list. They were awarded Homegrown Restaurant of the Year by Go Year. And earlier this year, Trescent Studio was awarded two Michelin stars. So I sat down with Chef Himanshu at their new Palm Jumeirah location with a backdrop of all their awards and a plate. Like a dinner plate? Yes, um, it was a framed, for want of a better word, plate that looked like a guest had eaten, loved the food and drew a heart in it with his finger. (laughs) And that guest, as I found out, was Massimo Batura, the Italian restaurateur behind three Michelin star Osteria Francescana, and whose restaurant in Dubai, Torno Subito, was awarded a Michelin star last year as well. He came to eat first time when he was opening Torno Subito. Mm The studio is always operational in dinner, mm-hmm. but we specially opened for him in lunch. Okay. And then he came and this is one of the main plates. He loved it. Yeah. And he just did it out of, uh, like he's a big heart, you know, mm-hmm. and it was a special moment. And I don't know, for some reason, I thought maybe I just keep it like that. Yeah. And then we framed it and then we uh, put a raisin paint on it uh, to preserve it. Mm-hmm. And then... He came second time, so we showed it to him. Yeah. He was surprised. And then he signed at the back. Okay. Said, I want to sign it. People like these uh, who were visionaries who've changed how the world is eating right now, mm-hmm. I think they come with some some amount of good luck with yes. them. So I think this is something which is which I feel is always a blessing to us that he's now eaten three times with mm-hmm. us. Every time he wants to come, he let us know we open specially for him in lunch. Yeah. So I think it's something which deserves 
a place like this. Uh, Absolutely, it's such a great so talking it's point. It's always memorable. Uh, when you talk about people who are changing the way we eat, um, I mean, you're incredibly humble because you're changing the way that we eat. We try. <laughs> um, who who else do you kind of look at for inspiration, or who have you looked at over the years, or yeah? The way I cook, uh, the way I run this restaurant, or in my life personally, uh, we. I have a different philosophy, you know. I always look for something which is unique and different. Uh, and of course, I really look up to Massimo Batura or anyone who has who has done something to an ethnic cuisine, because we all know, we think we know about Italian food, but then uh, if you ask someone, they would name you five, six dishes, and that's that's mm-hmm. what they know about. You ask someone with Italian food, they'll call you. They'll name you a pizza or a pasta yeah. or a lasagna. And then ravioli, tortilla. It's all forms of pastas and pizzas, but then then the imagination stops. Then yeah. people stop pursuing and go ahead. So for me, anyone who is doing, like for me, Chef Orfali also uh, has a great regard for him because what he's doing for an ethnic cuisine, like a Syrian cuisine, is something which was, which the world was not aware. And he's bringing it to... To this city, uh, and of course his uh, style and vision, and of course uh, the, the restaurant in Dubai has has so much an outreach that in terms of ingredients, in terms of people who come to eat, so you can. I call my cuisine not modern anymore. I think it's an evolution. Modernization has always happened happened with any cuisine for over the years. Like for Indian cuisine, I think when Portuguese come to India, they brought something to India. When Mughal came, they brought something to us. So anything, I think any chef who, like even for Chef Gregoire, what he does with his cuisine is something which really excites me uh, because they're doing something unique. Mm. And they're all homegrown restaurants. So they don't come in with their famous dishes from elsewhere and, you know, you kind of replicate that. They have adapted themselves to the city to the produce, to what is available, what is not available. And I think cooking for people in Dubai is very difficult. So I have great regard for everyone, all the homegrown chefs in Dubai. I think they're all inspirational, you know, uh, in their own way. Yeah. Even, for example, Chef Neha mm-hmm. Mishra from Kinoya. Yeah. It just fills my heart when I see uh, Indian uh, doing so precise job, uh, especially yeah. Japanese food needs so much of precision. Uh, and he, and like you can't tell if it's Indian or a Japanese who's cooking it. And when I, when I go there, sometime I see Japanese eating for me, that's the biggest success yeah. of that place. And now, she, now she's opened up in Harrods, yeah, which is one of the iconic uh, uh, place. And to find a spot there to do well. So I, I'm a big believer of, of an underdog stories, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think I, I can't name few there are many chefs who i look up to uh, in many different for many different reasons you know yeah when did you first step foot in the kitchen like were you 5 years old or were you, can you remember like, it's a, it's yeah. like another bollywood story <laughs> okay tell me <laughs> no because it's my maternal grandparents uh, house was like a very big house mm-hmm. and there were almost 50 people oh gosh big, okay. extended family yeah. you know my grandfather his brother and his uh, like extended family used to sit, used to stay together and it was a fairly big house. Mm. And imagine when you're cooking food for 50 people every day, it's a mini banquet. Yeah. And then my grandmother used to give everyone an assigned job, you know, how it happens in kitchen. Yeah. And one job, one, one of my aunt's job was just to knead the dough. So she would get the wheat and then uh, pick it, pick the right ones and then 
uh, grind it herself and then make a dough every day yeah. and then somebody's job is to get the spices roast them grind them mix them one job is just to do the pickles the one who is the naughty one gets to do the dishes <laughs> was that you <laughs> no i mean to say in terms of my aunts and my yeah. uncles yeah uh, but not the men back in yeah. the day the men of the house was not yeah. part of the kitchen especially in india now it's changed uh but then i think that was my first memory of how a kitchen should be how people are been assigned to do a certain job i used to follow my mother all around so spend a lot of time with her in the kitchen helping her peeling the the green peas you know it used to come because for 50 people it used to come like in kilos mm. so one afternoon everybody would sit down and just peel the the peas yeah so it was a fun activity i think that was whenever i used to go at her house at their house i always involved myself uh, in playing or helping mm-hmm. giving a hand wherever possible in the kitchen you know and eating of course that's yeah. a big thing so it was very organically been narrated in my in my personality in my sense of course my mother is a good cook herself mm-hmm. so after i finished my high school uh, i was only fit enough to eligible enough to sit for the hospitality college exam mm-hmm. and it was it was very surprising because i hated studies all my life and the moment i enrolled myself into hospitality college i could see that i started enjoying my grades were improving mm-hmm. and it's something which i would do when i'm getting bored also so we've we've covered all the aspects of a hotel so from front of the house reservations to housekeeping to kitchen and in kitchen you start with the first year is always the french cooking so you were learning basic soups and sauces which was very boring <laughs> don't don't mention this to chef gregoire but in school it was quite boring but yeah. then second year we've uh, started doing indian food regional indian food and that's how my interest was growing more and more okay after school i got it i gave my uh, interview for one of the first jobs interviews i've sat for and i got the job uh, which was uh, opening of indian accent so i think then i said many things i i didn't have to think much about it. it was just happening on its own and i was just following it and is that how you then started bringing in other influences into indian cuisine so indian accent was one of the first modern yeah. indian restaurants uh, restaurant and and then it was surprising for me uh, because chef manish who was my mentor mm-hmm. uh, he has an oriental background so he's been running uh chinese thai asian restaurants and it was also his first indian restaurant so it was very surprising when he started cooking indian food i could see oyster sauce in the kitchen i could mm-hmm. see soy sauce in the kitchen i could see lot of asian ingredients and how he is using it intelligently with indian food always in shadows uh miso in cooking mm-hmm. and you know so it was very very refreshing and mm-hmm. i think it it was back in the day uh, the best kitchen for any young chef to be in because for me indian food before joining that kitchen was was what we were taught in school and what we have eaten at homes and yeah. what we've seen on the streets but then he tried to make it more interesting incorporating more elements more ingredients uh and i think from that onwards uh, the openness in terms of uh, cooking came into into existence mm. and i've only worked under him as as a chef otherwise i worked in that kitchen for 5 years mm-hmm. I was a trainee and then when I was leaving I was a sous chef. So I think that kitchen is very special for me I think. 
how long have you actually been with Tresen Studio and and the and tell me about about the group behind it so uh, Tresen Studio is just 5 years old we opened Tresen Studio in 2018 but our first restaurant was Tresen which opened in 2014 it was a uh, vision of uh, Mr Nath who is the owner of the group uh, and uh, his dad used to have uh, uh his restaurant in his hometown patna in bihar uh so he was all already from a fnb hotelier background but his dad lost that restaurant with partnerships with many problems and then he always had this dream that he one day he would open a restaurant of its own and give it back to his dad so he started off with just one restaurant uh, as a as a passion project that's why our group is called passion fnb mm-hmm. and then it's commendable to see that from 2014 to 2023 uh passion fnb and mr nath has managed to open nine restaurants in dubai yeah uh and we have one restaurant in mumbai by the end of this year uh early next year we would have three more in india oh. we have carnival by tresin which yeah. opened next after tresin and then we opened tresin studio in tresin mumbai in the same year we had a capella uh, maison de curry it's mm-hmm. a brand which we launched last year in sokal bahar yeah then avatara with a great success at the yeah. old stressen studio location now got a michelin star this year which is now going to open in mumbai very soon so i think um, mr nath is probably the only person uh, i want to thank because without his support is he uh, the kind of freedom he has given us uh, especially with stressen studio because this is a project we don't make money it's a project we have uh, to fulfill our passion to showcase the cuisine of our country and uh, what we can offer as a group also so this has become our flagship restaurant now and uh, as i t- mentioned that to run a project like this you need an absolute support and freedom and that's what he offers so a big thanks to him yeah now our group has about 350 employees yeah so he's responsible to feed 350 families so it's getting bigger and bigger so we are so proud that we could have job opportunities for many people uh, i have people who've been working with me from last 9 years ever since we opened trescent they've been with us yeah that's so important yes i think uh, there's going to be many more successful years in this company yeah uh, he, he always tells me that you're go- you're going to retire with him and one day we'll just play golf and <laughs> and and smoke a cigar and drink a wine <laughs> so that's that's the plan uh, yeah. maybe next 20 years let's see you know just having known you over a number of years not incredibly well but i i know you and having eaten at your restaurant when it was in the last location and now like you bring this air of calmness yeah. always yeah. and whenever you step into the room you feel you feel calm as a guest so is that one of your like do's like, that you're very conscious of um and what yeah how what is your ethos of of running a restaurant see the first uh thing of why tresen studio is like this is of course all the chefs you would find in my kitchen most of them has been working with me from last 9 years so they they know what i demand from them they they know what kind of flavors and taste i expect what kind of ethics uh i expect them to have in the in the kitchen so there are many things which is which goes without saying now uh and it's mostly because of that you know we we don't do lunch service so the chefs have ample amount of quiet time to prep everything to perfection and then in the service it is so well rehearsed now that sometimes we just know from an eye contact that what needs to be done mm. 
if i need something if i don't need something and uh, so i think it it can only happen when you have people working with you and they i know them they know me so the calmness which you are referring to is 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 of course with the weapon handling Mm-hmm. the restaurant and hina is also being part of the service they bring a lot on the table and i think in terms of how to run a restaurant we have set ourselves certain philosophies and rule the first biggest uh, rule we set for ourselves is that we will only cook what we love to eat ourselves so being f- coming in from north india and mostly m- all the chefs in the kitchen they are north indians not indians trust me they are not good fish eaters okay <laughs> uh of course there is fresh water fishes and up in the north and it's amazing but then it was not something which was really part of our culture of course when i'm going out i'm eating somewhere i can eat it but then i i would say to myself if this something which i'm not 100% confident of myself my palate is not 100% doesn't know what is right mm-hmm. what should be the right texture i have no idea about it yeah so i would not how could i make it interesting for someone uh who's coming into the restaurant so in last 5 years i have never done a fish dish in my recipe in my in my restaurant okay. can you believe yeah, that yeah true actually yeah, yeah there's ne- there's always shellfish yeah uh but there's never a fish preparation mm. so we always uh even if there is something which would uh of course we do experimentation and everything when we do collaborations that's our playground yeah uh and there we try a lot of things to get used to it to f- to still feel that you know at some point of time we are using it to get used to it and then maybe we have it in the menu so th- it happened with many ingredients uh we st- first started cooking with lobster we've done many trials versions cooked in many collaborations and now it's like a mainstay in the in the in the menu the second biggest thing what we try to follow is to stay away from luxury ingredients and we just don't don't use it for the for for the need to use it you know for yeah. the sake to for sake of using it and i think by just following these two rules uh, we set ourselves apart from many restaurants who follow the trend of course they they know how to keep up with them i we don't know but then even doing that it just makes the menu have a very different uh outcome mm-hmm. or you know dubai as a city uh trends on luxury ingredients yeah uh but it's mostly with a restaurant from overseas because that's how their concept worked there so they try to replicate all of that here but i think these two philosophies is something which sets us apart and apart from this two the other, another one how we do try to do the menu is saying that there are 20 dishes in the menu mm-hmm. 11 of them are vegetarian dishes so the, there's only one way where you can make people eat 20 dishes is to have a balance of meat and vegetables even though even though dishes which has animal protein it's always used for me as as a secondary ingredient in on the plate for me the dish of lobster is not about lobster the dish of lobster is everything else about lobster the lobster is just there so that you can enjoy the curry for example yeah or a dish of the crab in a cinnamon bark is not about the crab it's about cinnamon it's about a blend of spice which is enhanced through the sweetness and meatiness of so it's the other way around like yeah. if you go to a european kitchen you have the meat on on the yeah. plate and then you have a side dish to go along with it for me i we follow the other way around okay and then i believe that i don't believe in a concept of signature dishes because i mentioned that i always believe in the process of evolution 
So what you've eaten a few days back is not something which we have brainstormed couple of months, three months, four months ago. Of course, there are many things which we thought of in the last two, three months. Mm -hmm. But uh, every element on what you've eaten, it's something which is in the process we are using it from last 15 years of my cooking. Mm -hmm. So maybe a pickle somewhere four years ago with many new understanding or new technique has become something else over these years. So for me, every dish is not a complete dish. Every dish is not a final dish. It's mm -hmm. It has a scope. Every element, sauce, curry, uh, every vegetable has a scope to become better or taking inspiration from what it is today and then making it better for tomorrow. When we come back, we'll chat about the evolution of their menu. That's right after the short break. We wanted to take a minute to tell you about our delicious Spinney's Food olive oil, which comes from the 120-year-old Basso family farms in Italy, which is now a fifth-generation business. Davina, if you remember my masterclass with Matthew Jones of Bread Ahead, this is the olive oil we use to make the focaccia. I remember that. It was delicious. Yes, and part of the reason for that is their use of the Arbequino olive grown in Italy. Here's Federico Basso. The Arbequino olive is usually used in blends because it's very sweet and it has that almond taste, which is very different from the typical strong Italian olive oils that we have. So we use it in blend in order to provide our customers with a product that is uh, as balanced as possible. So it's not too aggressive, but it's also not too plain. We want to find the perfect match in order to satisfy our clients, also in terms of uh, organolectic features of our products. Here's a fun fact. Federico's father, Sabino, eats extra virgin olive oil and bread every morning for breakfast, sometimes with a spoonful of sugar. And didn't you say that he's run many marathons? Clearly, that's the trick. We sourced their extra virgin olive oil, a truffle-infused evu, and a signature Mediterranean blended oil as well. So you should definitely grab a bottle of Spinney's Food olive oil the next time you're in store. And tell us what you think. Welcome back. You're listening to Nourished by Spinneys and my conversation with Chef Herman Shuseni of Tresen Studio. Having eaten here recently and you can see that there's so much kind of, not history, but yeah, like thought and yeah. experience that has gone into your menu. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot that you take and there's so many interesting facts about, you know, as you're going through the different regions yeah. and the different tastes, it's it's fascinating. And so to hear behind the thinking behind that is, yeah. is very interesting. I think th that is something also which we are really proud of because uh, it just, again, sets up uh, apart from many Indian restaurants also because we are not just serving Indian food. Uh, and this is an approach which we developed from last year because... Before last year also, when I started to travel a lot, and at many moments I was asked to speak on the stage about Indian food, modern Indian food. Whenever I used to go and speak about it, at some point I always felt that there is a disconnect between the audience and what I'm speaking. Mm -hmm. Because people don't know about Indian food. So there is no point of talking about how modern the Indian food has become or how progressive we can uh, approach we can follow to mm -hmm. make it interesting. And that's what, when I come back and one of the time I was in Croatia and I was speaking about modern Indian food, halfway through, I realized that I was not making sense to anyone. I just randomly asked that if anyone in the crowd can name me five Indian dishes yeah. and there was no answer. Oh my goodness. So, and that was one trip I came back and I, you know, and I asked myself that there is no point of doing what we are doing unless we 
little bit try to educate people that what is indian food mm. indian food is not as unknown as syrian food for example what chef arfali is doing is also amazing mm-hmm. but then again it's a very stereotypical narrative uh, about indian food it has to have a curry or it has to be hot it has to have a bread or a kebab or a rice and then mm. for me indian food is something which is cannot be described into one sentence two sentence few words it's not possible it for me it's as diverse as big as chinese food where yeah. a cantonese is is totally different with uh, sichuan or uh, any any cuisine so and that's how we dev- developed this approach that you know we initially last year we did the regions but we did it with northwest east south which was i think a good step to begin with and then after one year we thought we go with actual physical dimensions so where we can actually give a lot of sense to the ingredients that why it is being used in this region why it is being grown more here but i think th- that is something which is really pushed us uh it's a difficult approach because otherwise you know i had dishes uh in our in our library where which are better dishes than what i served you to mm-hmm. be honest there are some dishes which are amazing tasting dishes but i now i couldn't just put it anywhere in the menu mm. back in the day i could i could have a list of 15 best tasting dishes in my menu but now it's not even about that it's about getting the right dishes for the right region mm-hmm. it's about to get the balance right because you're serving 20 dishes to get the portions right to get the the mouthful the bites everything in in right proportions so we make we made it our, difficult for ourselves it's going to be more challenging going forward but i think it's the right approach yeah. uh, every time now a guest eats in our restaurant they say that you know we've learned something about the country and it's probably the only indian meal or indian restaurant which would have no bread or a rice yeah uh, which is of course you can get many places yeah, so that's we, refreshing, we, we you try know? to stay away yeah and also indian food which is popular out of india i'm leaving dubai and london out because it has more awareness about indian food but everywhere else people refer to indian food as a north indian food mm-hmm. that's the only genre which is popular but then there is so much to offer from other parts of the country the south india is for me is 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 a treasure in terms of cooking also but it's something which is ex- not explored to its potential mm. and the other thing about myself is that i've come from an agricultural background my great grandfathers were all farmers to begin with and then they moved ahead in their lives and they become like a middleman yeah and that's i think that's something which is also very organically it comes out in our dishes when you see them they are very they have so many elements of plants and everything yeah uh and that's also the intention when we took up this space here on the terrace that we wanted to set up our own garden mm-hmm. which is a very challenging job again yeah. uh there are few things which which we can do in summers but now going forward till april may is, is something which we always look forward to uh what are you going to be growing so we've uh, what are you growing yeah so right now we're doing hibiscus uh, mostly the things which we are doing right now uh is for the bar bar program and then certain things in the kitchen like the hibiscus flowers we have 500 hibiscus plants which survived the heat all all summer and now they're blooming with lot of flowers so we dry the flowers and we use them in the in the cocktails then we have uh, at least 10 banana trees mm-hmm. so we use the leaves for for plating and presentation for cooking something as well then we planted papaya trees we keep on experimenting to 
to see what works what doesn't work mm. also it's very surprising that even certain things can be still manageable to do in summers because we are just very close to the sea mm. so there is always a humidity uh, around this area which which helps few plants to to perform better and then we do a mountain basil it has amazing small flowers even the tiny one flower has so much flavor i think it's equivalent to two leaves of basil it's just yeah. so pungent and so yeah. flavorful then going forward we would have uh, cucumber coming in fig trees we are planting because we use fig leaves for the bar program and mostly to be honest is not everything what we going to grow is going to be utilized in our kitchen it's mostly being there for for bad days you know mm. if if i start using whatever produce we have on the terrace it's going to be gone in in a week yeah and then we can't, can't wait for 10 days so it's all been set up in a way where we don't have to depend in terms of and supply been missed mm-hmm. because a lot of times we have produce which is expected to come and then for some reason it is not there and we have a set menu the menu is already printed so we can't mm. write in a, a, the menu and something is not available from it I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about the different regions not going to great detail because I actually I don't want to give it all away to all our listeners because everyone needs to come and try your menu. Yeah. But just touch on the different regions and a few characteristics of them from the cuisine. One of the first regions which we uh, showcase in our menu is the Thar Desert. And it's something also uh, which is not very commonly been spoken about and you would not find many restaurants adopting those ingredients also or those preparations because now it's it's so uh, multicultural that what is available in the south will also be available in the west mm-hmm. everything is accessible but then we just talk about few ingredients like uh, of course with the climate uh, th- there is uh, a lot of chilies being used because it's so hot mm-hmm. uh, in that in that region and back in the day the chilies are being consumed to maintain the temperature of the body the more you sweat the more colder your body temperature is going to get so that's how they get into chilies so everywhere in india where you find hot preparations the first primary reason back in the day now it's just uh, part of their culture but it has been started from those days where people want to maintain the body temperature and chilies was one of the ways to to do that and uh, rajasthan where most of the thar desert is 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 known for this for its chilies uh, and of course back in the day of course there was no method of preserving food there were hardly any vegetables and leaves growing in there and plants so most of the things which they could get from other parts of the country they would bring or whatever they were growing in the season they try to preserve it so pickling was one of the oldest uh, and the unique methods which is still being followed today and we reflect all of that in our menu for example we have a preparation which is just dedicated to the pickling spices because the pickling also which happens in india in general is very different to the pickling methods of the west indian pickles you see are mostly based out of mustard oil mm-hmm. so we highlight those pickling flavors with the pepper uh, of course we bring in a form of chili uh, but not as hot uh, we fry the pepper in in the chickpea tempura it's something we make in the kitchen and chickpea as a as an ingredient is also very common a uh, lot lot of time chickpea flour is used as a thickener in the curries uh they make the pastry uh, uh, like a kachori for the street food um so chickpea flour is used in many ways so we make a tempura we fry the pepper with the tempura and then we fill it with the emulsion of 
our pickling spices we make our own it's not a very traditional one but we make try to make our own uh, blend of uh, the spices and then we serve a buttermilk curry along uh, ice cream of buttermilk curry along with it it's one of the popular dishes in the menu and even the use of dairy is also quite big because uh, there was a scarcity of uh, water and uh, anything to do with dairy milk butter buttermilk cream and all of these things you would see highly being used in the cuisine and then we have a dish just based out of the cactus uh, the nopales cactus it's 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 amazing that uh, we call it nopales because in india we call it nakfani uh, and but of course in the world it is known by the name nopales uh, the prickly pear one uh, and it's something which is of course in the region it's grown in abundance but now a lot of people don't use it i think for sure back in the day there were preparations but now you don't see them anywhere in in the in the in even in the regional kitchens there so it's something which i feel very happy that we can brought in such ingredients and of course when i when i see the trend i'm sure that many young chefs will see will pick it up mm-hmm. and then will try to do something amazing with it so for me every menu we try to bring in at least four or five new ingredients which we have not worked in the past mostly vegetables or herbs or plants and then we see how we how we can incorporate in the menu so yeah i think uh, uh i can go on and on about uh, all the different yeah but... it's an endless uh, conversation but yeah in the menu we try to explain the region based out of our dishes so that people can connect more then going forward we have uh, deccan plateau which is probably the biggest uh, region it is that area which uh, surrounded with the eastern and western ghats so so the whole monsoon cycle in the rainfall is is been affected by this region so you will find find many crops rice you will still find coconut uh in the menu we have an amazing story with coconut we utilize it to its fullest form like when you enter as a welcome drink we serve you the coconut water and then in one of the dishes we served you the flesh of the coconut as a as a as a kebab as a skewer the next one uh, dish has the first press of the coconut following dish we use the second press of the coconut and then we use the shell of the coconut uh, sometimes we used to smoke anything uh, the husk of it so for me it's very interesting to see that in our the, in our menu we have so so many applications of coconut even as a palm tree for example we use the heart of palm and then when we go to the north uh, we go to more rustic more more humble food uh, and then we do one rustic dish of uh, mushrooms from the northeast part of india so we make a preparation of noodles but we don't use noodles we use the mushroom uh, the king oyster we cut it like noodles and then we cook it with the nexo sauce we uh, make out of mushrooms only and then it has the mushroom broth it has morels it has pickled mushrooms so it has the whole hearty bowl of mushrooms yeah, it was an umami yes. flavor bomb and yeah. i thought the noodles yeah. were so clever yeah. yeah and also the another aspect of our cooking is something to do with the broths yes uh, you are the king of broths like i was when i knew you was coming i was like i'm so looking forward to having more of your broth and i think it just started out of uh, no nowhere to be honest mm-hmm. we just did one time a broth preparation and it just been loved by everyone so we thought okay we explore another direction because that's not actually really uh, indian cuisine right no, like no the, yeah. there was but what we do we try to bring out indian flavors in 
in in something which is a hearty liquid there's so much depth to your brothers it's like you're going on your own journey just in the broth you it's know it's just that how we think uh, my first intention is to treat a broth same as a dish mm. even a broth can has have all the flavors uh of what can go in a dish but then you have to uh transform it use certain ingredient spices at the right time in right proportions uh use fat in certain way uh yeah so we it's something which is which we are really proud of it's i think it's something which is being made in the restaurant so really proud now we have at least i think five mm-hmm. uh broth dishes in the menu i think one day we'll probably pair it with the broth only <laughs> great <laughs> if not with if not with alcohol or with drinks drinks i have one last question for you yeah. um we ask everybody on our podcast cuz it's called nourish by spinnies yeah. so what nourishes your soul a bowl of ramen i think where i think that's where my love from broth must have been you know there mm-hmm. i can enjoy a bowl of ramen any day uh and i think that's that is where i find my love for the broths and it's so comforting it's not heavy it's healthy at the same time you can put in so many vegetables to it meat proteins noodles mm-hmm. and i think it's just a meal on its own sometimes uh, and i miss it um uh, like recently chef neha at kinoya yeah. she's made her uh the duck version of a uh, ramen bowl and for me i just in my when i'm when i'm sad i think about it and it just makes me happy i think yeah that's that's one weakness i have i think it's a bowl of ramen which is healthy and it's just it's comforting mm. uh yeah, it's amazing oh i totally agree with you yeah thanks so much for your time thank Imachi. you so much it was um, a pleasure talking yeah, to you yeah you too i feel like i could talk for another 3 days but yes. yes you've got work to do tonight so yeah thanks thank you thank you so okay, much okay cool So that was really a unique answer. I mean, we've had cooking as an answer to what nourishes people, but a specific dish is a first, I think. Yeah, and I'm not going to argue with that though. Um a bowl of ramen is one of the best comfort foods out there. I find it fascinating that he said he can just think about a bowl of ramen when he's sad and that it helps him. I mean, I don't have to agree with that. Uh you know, when you're sad or when it's cold or it's raining, uh just, you know, warm comforting broth and noodles, it's perfect. We'll have a few more details from the Rising India menu and the concept behind their dishes on a bonus episode that will be out next week. So stay tuned for that. This episode was brought to you by Spinnies and is hosted by me, Tiffany Eslick, and Davina Devicha. We're produced by Chirag Desai. You can follow Spinnies on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok for more. And also visit us at spinnies.com where you can shop for fresh produce and a variety of local and exclusive products. We'll be back in 2 weeks with a new guest. See you then.